Hello, everybody. I'm John Locke, and I'd like to welcome you to the LockingYourSuccess.com Trading Performance Podcast, where it's all about real traders, real problems, and real coaching. Listen up and enjoy the segment. For those serious about becoming successful, consistently profitable options traders, now is the time to build skills in technical analysis, market analysis, and applied volatility to get those results. We have multiple memberships, starting with our Go membership that teaches rules-based trading and our Pro membership that teaches more subjective trading. For more information, go to LockInYourSuccess.com memberships. Implied volatility is a very large topic. The question becomes is, what does implied volatility and implied volatility skew curve represent? That comes down to maybe a little bit of an explanation of what implied volatility is. Implied volatility of an option, and remember there's implied volatility, which is general market implied volatility, which is, you might see the VIX, for example. You may have heard of the VIX. That gives it a, um, that's considered a general market implied volatility. It doesn't really have much to do with the options that are involved in your positions necessarily. Um, nor does it necessarily have anything to do with what, you, what your position is going to do. So it, it's a very um, surface-level number. Basically, what it represents is the implied volatility of the at-the-money option that's 30 days out to expiration, uh, or approximately 30 days to expiration in, in that range. Each option has, you have to understand that each option has its own implied volatility. So each option strike you have has its own implied volatility. Each option and strike at different cycles has its own implied volatility number. And what that implied volatility number is, it's the amount the options overpriced in relation to the Black-Scholes model base value when considering interest rates. So there's this model that the market makers use that'll the um, and there are several of them, but we'll just say the Black-Scholes model because it's the most commonly known one to the retail trader. We have this, the, the Black-Scholes model, and the way the model works is it assigns a base extrinsic value. And for those of you who don't know, right, every option has an intrinsic value if it's in the money. It's The intrinsic value is zero if it's out of the money. Uh, and then it has an extrinsic value or a, a number or a value over its intrinsic value. Implied volatility has nothing to do with intrinsic value. It has everything to do with extrinsic value. It's only it's only concerns extrinsic value. So that well, what some people call time premium, which it really isn't very accurate. So the model is going to assign a base extrinsic value to each option, and that extrinsic value is based off the strike price of the option and the proximity of the strike price to the asset price and the time left in the expiration cycle. I have here days to expiration, but it's also... Um, uh, you know, hours to expiration, minutes to expiration, seconds to expiration. Basically, depending on the total time left until that option settles, it has a what we call a base value to that. Um, and that base value has only one purpose. It's the purpose of it is so that they can have a model. If they don't have a base value, you don't have a model. This base value is known at at, at all times. And it's expected at all times. And the model uses that number to determine everything else that you're looking at. So um, 
you have that base value that's assigned by the model, and then that's modified a little bit based on the interest rate. So there's also a portion of the extrinsic value that's assigned or segmented based on your current interest rate and how far the, um, the option is from expiration. So those two are known values. They're expected values um, that the model can predict precisely because they're always known. And then an option has additional extrinsic value over and above that number. And that additional extrinsic value is called implied volatility. And it's represented, it's represented as a percentage over the known and expected values or, or the, the uh, base value plus the interest rate. This additional value that an option has over and above that number is, a, is solely driven by market demands. Right, so it's just supply and demand on the option that, on the option that it is, and based on what the options or the supply and demand is in the options in the um, surrounding options with that. So something, a few strikes below it, a few strikes over it, and uh, you know, a thirty days out or fifteen days out, or you know, a different time frame uh, or days to expiration. Okay, and that's what that extrinsic value is. That's what it is. Okay, it's, and it's driven solely by, by your, your market demands. That being the case, implied volatility is, what we know, what's, is what's known as a wild card. The model does, it knows what the, it calculates what the implied volatility is based off the extrinsic value. It takes the extrinsic value um, and then it, it, says, it segments part of that extrinsic value for, to interest rate. It segments it to the base value, anything over and above is a percentage, is listed as a percentage over that value. That, it, 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 and it calculates your, your implied volatility, but it don't know, it doesn't know, it has no way of knowing how it's gonna change. It doesn't know how it's gonna change with price movement, it can guess, but it doesn't know. It doesn't know how it's gonna change with time passage, it can guess, but it doesn't know, right? So, all your analytical software it calculates your current implied volatility based off the current extrinsic value, and it guesses how it's going to change based off of a static equation that takes no nothing into consideration. It doesn't take in you know what the traders are thinking. It doesn't take into consideration the news, right? So your options value is going to be driven by supply and demand. Supply and demand is going to be driven by uh, news. It's going to be driven by how fast the market's moving, and and things such as that. The you know how excited traders are, how disappointed the traders are, um, whether or not it's also going to be driven by whether or not the the traders were expecting the up move in the first place or expecting the down move in the first place, and whether the market's doing as they're expecting or it's not doing as they're expecting, right? So all of these things are going to determine the supply and demand on options, and all of that, and the supply and demand on options is going to determine the implied volatility as well as how it changes as time goes by. So that being the case, your analytical software does make a static adjustment for implied volatility with the price movement. It it will take, basically what they do is they take the average of the past and they say, well, you know, usually if the move, market moves to 2%, then implied volatility skew curve is going to do this in this option cycle when it's this close to expiration. That, that's what it does. And it just takes the average of that number. 
but the actual implied volatility movement is going to be completely unknown. And that's going to be based off the news. It's going to be based on, like I said, the attitudes of the traders and what they're expecting and, and so forth and how well we understand what's going on in the marketplace and all those other things. So that being the case, an educated trader actually has a better idea of how profit and loss in an option or a, a specific position is likely to change. Um, it has a be- uh, an educated trader has a better idea uh, on how that's going to change than the actual model itself. Because the model has no context, all the model all the model has is price moves this much, implied volatility should shift this much. The trader, the educated trader, has all this context. He knows what the news is. He has a good idea of what's expected in the marketplace and so forth, and he can make a much much more accurate prediction of what's likely to happen to the profit and loss in an option. Then, of course, if you're in a complex options position like a butterfly or something, then you know there's a whole lot of other dynamics going on that um, the model doesn't even really consider. So these are the things um, that you really should understand <clears throat> about implied volatility before we even start talking about it. So as we go through this, um, let me talk about just a butterfly for a minute. So your model here is building a T plus zero line. It's building a T plus zero line based on the implied, the extrinsic, I'm sorry, not the implied volatility. So I'm going to separate things. Um, another thing about implied volatility, again, is it's a percentage of a base value, meaning that you can have a higher implied volatility and lower extrinsic vo- extrinsic value. And you'll, you'll see that, especially when you get out into the puts, when you get out into here, when you see you know an, ex- an IV of 22 and an extrinsic value of 12, and up here you see a lower implied volatility, but a higher extrinsic value. Again, that's because that's based off of a percentage, off of a base value, and the closer you get to expiration, the higher your base value is. So that's another thing. Implied volatility does not represent the extrinsic value directly. It's a percentage over the base value is what it is. Um, When we get into this here, your options, well, first of all, what does your, your expiration line represent? Assuming all your options are in the same expiration cycle, okay, this is important. Assuming all your options are in the in the same expiration cycle, your expiration line represents the intrinsic value of your options. So here, um, this collection of options that we have here, which are all put options, are going to have an extrinsic value that's their lowest they can be, or they'll have no none of their extrinsic value, right? Um, they're just going to add, add and subtract out. So if I'm at all input options, no options have value. No options have, in, no options have intrinsic value. I come in here to here, this option here, because it's a put butterfly, it's intrinsic value goes up to this level. When we get to this level here, we have two short options. And the intrinsic value between the one long and the two shorts, right? These two cancel each other out. This one cancels out this one once we hit here. 
and then the intrinsic value starts shifting the other way, and then we hit the, our long option, and then that flattens out again. So this is, is it's not an exact number value, but the, it's a representation of the intrinsic value of your position that you're holding. Your T plus zero line is a representation of the it, of a combination of what the intrinsic value is doing and what the extrinsic value is doing. So if there were no, if there was no extrinsic value in these options, for example, and we're at this price, then our position would be worth 1976. We have less than that because these are holding value and these are holding value and these are holding value. So your software takes that combination and they project the T plus zero line of what the combination of the intrinsic value and the extrinsic value is expected to do with the price moves, although it's limited as to how it can project that value because it doesn't know what the implied volatility is going to do when the actual price moves. Now, this T plus zero line, again, is a representation of what the extrinsic value is here, the extrinsic value is here, and the extrinsic value is here. It's going, to, it's going to form a profile. That profile is going to determine your delta. It's going to determine your profit and loss. It's going to determine your theta number. And it's going to determine everything else. So everything's backwards calculated based off of the base value, uh, based off of the um, implied volatility number in the option. Now, when we start talking about implied volatility skew curve, the implied volatility skew curve when we talk about um, vertical skew curve, is the difference between implied volatility in this strike, and this strike, and this strike, and this strike. So they all have different implied volatility numbers. That implied volatility number difference is going to create what we call an implied volatility skew curve. The curve itself, in a way, has nothing to do with your position, and then it has everything to do with your position. Um, again, everything's actually counter off of extrinsic value, but um, I'm trying to word this appropriately so that's understandable to everybody. Um, but everything's calculated, calculated off the extrinsic value. And the way your position reacts is based on how this extrinsic value changes in each of these options in relation to each other. If all the value in all these options goes up the exact same amount of money, it's going to be different. You're going to get a different reaction than if these ones go up a lot and this one goes up a little and this one goes up even less. Okay, but it's this reaction between these the extrinsic value in these three options that's going. If when we take away price movement, that's going to determine what's going on with your position and how your position is going to react. When we start talking about, because there's a couple questions in here about predictions and even the race away, you know, which way is the market likely to break if we're in a sideways range? Well. There are multiple ways that you can you can kind of assess that, but one of the ways that you can look at is what is your implied volatility doing? Because implied volatility represents the supply and demand on the options chain, if people are buying a lot of put options, so let's say someone comes in here and they start buying a crap load of options here at um, $17.90, that's going to increase the value 
so demand for the options is going is is going to be like a wave, right? So you're gonna someone's gonna slam in and they're gonna buy a thousand or say ten thousand seventeen ninety options. The option the option um, market maker can't. Well, he can. I mean, what it's gonna do is it's gonna affect the price of this one immediately. The market maker has to hedge those positions, and he needs time for that. And when he tries to hedge them with futures, for example, that's going to jack the futures price. So he doesn't know how much he's going to have to pay for it. So what he's going to do is he's going to jack the extrinsic value in that option like crazy. And he can't just do this one in isolation. In isolation, this one will go up first, but he's got to spread it out across that because people will take advantage of the fact that this is horrendously overpriced and this one isn't, right? So it's going to have an effect, immediate effect here, and then it's going to ripple effect out into the other options. And when it does that, it's going to do something here, right? So if I get in, if, if my price is positioned here within my tent and I get a lot of pressure on this option, it's, first of all, this is going to try to rotate. What's that? You think about what that's going to do in my T plus zero line. Um, this option will try and raise your T plus zero line because it's a long option and it's more value going into it. This one will try and depress your T plus zero line because they're short options and there's a lot of money coming into them. So you can kind of imagine how that can change. This is going to have overwhelming power over these. And chances are by the time the ripple effect gets here, there really isn't much effect on that. So we have two options here that, once the ripple effect comes in, what's going to happen is that's going to end up depressing the T plus zero line in this in here. So you'll get a, the T plus zero line will be relatively stable way out here, but it's going to crush down in here. And this, these two short options are going to overpower this one. It's going to take this T plus zero line. It's going to flatten it here. And of course, more value is coming into this one also, not as much, but it's going to tend to raise it maybe a little bit here. And that's going to create a, counterclockwise rotation in your T plus zero line as it relates to where the asset price is, right? So you can see that we're going to get a crush here. We're going to get a rise here. It's going to create a, a counterclockwise position or rotation in T plus zero line, which is also going to change your delta. It's going to take your delta and it's going to make it um, more negative and more positive, right? Why is that rotation happening? That rotation happening is because they're buying options, they're buying put options down under the money, and it's causing that rotation. If traders are buying put options down down under the money, why are they buying put options down under the money? They're buying put options down under the money because they're concerned that the market's going down. And if the big bankers and so forth are concerned that the market's going down, chances are it's more likely to go down than up. On the other hand, if implied volatility drops out and people start selling options, for, for, right? Because what, what, why do people buy options? They buy options because they think the price is going to move. They sell options when they don't think the price is going to move. Like if you don't think the price is going anywhere, why wouldn't you just sell a strangle or a straddle or something? If you think the price is really moving, you're going to buy a straddle or a strangle, right? Whether you're protecting positions or whatever the heck you're doing, where you're just speculating with the options, that's that's what you're going to do. When when traders come in and they want to sell options, then that pulls extrinsic value out of the options, which by default drops IV. When IV drops, 
the pressure comes off of these, these lose time premium, these lose time premium, these lose time premium, and you'll see a clockwise rotation in your T plus zero line. And that is what I have for you today. If you have any questions or comments or anything else you'd like to see in the next Trading Performance Podcast, please list that in the comments and I'll personally answer your questions and comments for you. Also, I'd love to encourage you to come on over to LockingYourSuccess.com. That's L-O-C-K-E in your success.com and check out our Trading Performance and Pro Memberships where you can find the tools you need to become a much more effective trader regardless of the type of trading you do. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to seeing you on the next Trading Performance Podcast.